and welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast. I'm Flavia Munn, editor of Nursing Standard, and this episode of the podcast is looking at ways to support staff well-being in a positive manner. Resilience has become a bit of a dirty word among healthcare staff. The implication is that it's the individual's responsibility to address their burnout when its cause may be matters beyond their control, such as understaffing and under-resourcing. And while well-being initiatives are generally well-meaning, they can come across as gimmicky to exhausted staff. So joining me to discuss this topic is Chiara Delora, lecturer on nursing workforce at the University of Southampton. So hello Chiara and welcome to the podcast. Hello Flavia, thank you very much and thanks for having me today. It's a pleasure, thank you. So Chiara, you don't teach resilience as a concept to your nursing students. I know you've written about this topic for us before. Can you explain why? Yes, yes, of course. So um, first of all, I'd like to start by saying that I have nothing against the term or the attributes of resilience um, per se. I think it's a wonderful attribute to have uh, or, or and to nurture. But what I'm afraid of is that resilience is often used as a quick fix strategy um, to problems that many nurses experience that are actually due to under-resourcing and understaffing and really poor working environments. So it actually transfers the the responsibility from healthcare systems managers um, towards the individual nurses, as in kind of a way of saying yeah you know you're you are burnt out or tired well just deal with it and become stronger essentially just become a bit stronger a bit more resilient and it will be all all will be fine and that is why I completely uh, refuse to teach (laughs) about resilience and when when someone uh, asks me oh Cara could you do a session on resilience I'm like no I'm very happy to teach about, you know, how to support, you know, health, well-being and health. Uh, but I'm not going to teach student nurses how to be resilient because I'm actually setting them up for failure because it would be impossible for them to be resilient in environments that are basically designed uh, against their their humanity and their ability to cope. So, so basically that is why I refuse to teach resilience. Mm-hmm. What what kind of reaction do you get to that when you explain that's why you don't teach um, it? No, actually, no one uh, complains. No, I've I've never heard anyone saying, "Oh no, I disagree." Actually, when <laughs> when when I frame things this way, everyone agrees with that, and they're happy and they're they're interested in hearing what is it that I teach instead. Yeah, great, great. So, can you tell us what you teach instead then to support their well-being? <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. So first of all, I teach about the impact of the work environment. So what the the sort of negative and poor working environments in terms of things like, again, staffing levels, uh, work uh, long shifts and uh, poor resources, uh, lack of control. So these sort of how these sort of elements impact the the nurse's well-being and health. So sort of say you know if you don't get these right if these are not right in your work environment then it's very likely that you will be unwell so so sort of informing them of the consequences of poor uh, work environment but then what I also do because of course I'm very aware that they will have to work in this very negative work environment or not all of them but a lot of them will 
um, I try to teach, for first of all, um, the concept of vulnerability. That's something that Brené Brown talks about a lot. So embracing actually um, your humanity and the fact that you are a human being and not a super super nurse or, or superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a human being, you will have human needs like drinking, eating, resting. And so if you are in a work environment that prevents you from doing that, um, you know, still do your best to actually keep doing these basic uh, basic things and ask for help if you need help. I'm sure that ev- everywhere you go, there's going to be someone who can help you, can support you if you're struggling. So again, it's not about pretending to be this superhero, um, this super nurse um, at all times. I think in nursing, I see it a lot still, even when I'm speaking with students, so people who are not even qualified yet, uh, they tell me a lot about this super nurse culture and how they feel guilty, for example, for even just taking a day off or, you know, these, again, very basic human needs that everyone is allowed um, to fulfill, but somehow as nurses, we think that, oh, no, I shouldn't, I shouldn't rest, I shouldn't stop, I should just keep going ahead. That's the first thing I, I teach, so about um, recognizing that you're not a super nurse, that, but that you are a human being. Uh, and, and it's a beautiful thing, actually, to be human rather than superheroes. <laughs> and, yeah. and yeah, because I think sometimes we forget that. Um, and then I also teach about the power of community and compassionate care towards others. So I think, again, as nurses, we are taught a lot about uh, compassionate care towards patients, which is, of course, very, very important. But um, having that kind of compassion towards our colleagues as well um, is really, really um, helpful. And it really helps to build a sense of community, which, you know, again, for the research around burnout, we know that this, that sense of community uh, plays a really big role in preventing burnout. Um, and so having, you know, colleagues where, you know, if you notice that your colleagues are unwell, go and ask, are you okay? Are you really okay? Is there anything that you would like to talk to me about? And then, um, yeah, sort of being the sort of kind of neutral um companion with them in the sense that you're not kind of judging them um, for you know feeling unwell uh, but you're there to support them to ask neutral questions again not anything that might be triggering or or concerning for them Uh, but this is something else that I teach and then I I guess the most uh, (laughs) the the one that I, I really like a lot is is to te- I, I try to teach them to become change agents in the sense that, yes, of course, they cannot change the work environment themselves. They're not managers. They're not, you know, commissioners or anything like that. But they can definitely learn the evidence in terms of, for example, what happens if work environments are poor. Mm-hmm. And then um, also um, they can know um, what happens to, to them and to patients. So the, the effect of, for example, yeah, low staffing levels on patients, but also on themselves in terms of their sickness absence and stuff. And then learn to collect that 
same data in their uh, wards or in their settings, wherever they are working, um, to kind of track the patterns between, you know, again, staffing levels and sickness absence, for example, or patient incidents. And, and with that data in hand, escalate, escalate and escalate. There's going to be escalating policies everywhere they work. So know those escalation policies, escalate concerns and, and just keep, uh, you know, do not settle for poor. Do not settle for, oh, you know, this is poor care. This is the best that we could do. Um, but just try and, uh, and, and, and bring back the good. <laughs> so not just settling with poor. Yeah, yeah. And I think you've just answered my next question, really, <laughs> which um, I was going to ask. That's all right. I was, I was going to ask you what role can critical thinking play in helping students to tackle some of the, these issues? But so, some of those issues I, I think you were just talking about, such as the, the escalation uh, around short staffing and, and that kind of thing. Is, is there anything else in, in that area of critical thinking that, that can, can help students here? Yes. So, again, also maybe something that struck me recently, um, I think I saw on Twitter, uh, Brian Webster, uh, um, I think he's now qualified, a yeah. newly qualified uh, nurse um, who has been escalating when um, when he was on shift and uh, there were really low and unsafe staffing levels and, and he then put it on Twitter and there was a huge Twitter storm after that. So. Um, I think you know if you if, if students and then newly qualified nurses or nurses <laughs> everywhere can have this same passion to sort of raise awareness as well, um, I think that that could also be helping you know others maybe think oh well I hadn't thought about it maybe I should do the same. Um, so um, critical thinking, yes, but also taking that step forward maybe and becoming active. In sort of making people more aware of the dangers of, in this case, like low staffing levels. Mm -hmm. And and in the healthcare setting itself, how how can managers best approach well-being with, without coming across as as making empty gestures or, or being gimmicky? I I know you've helped us with an article recently in which um we had quite a few examples of of some of the the lasso you know <laughs> gimmicks and that kind of thing um TPs and, and that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, these none of these initiatives are going to help unless staff feel that they're really being listened to and they're really being um, supported. So um, none of these gestures are, are really going to make an impact unless they are, um, um, they come from someone who's really caring and, and listening and supportive. So even if I went you know, if I was someone who doesn't listen at all to my students, but then went into the classroom and gave them all chocolate, yeah, they might appreciate the chocolate. But if I'm an awful lecturer who never listens to them, then it doesn't really support them, does it? So it's just, again, an empty gesture. So what can they do? I think, so there's definitely things that could be put into place, even when, you know, for example, staffing is low and, you know, it, Maybe there's not the opportunity of changing uh, staffing levels or, or, or anything that big, but things like the um, like suggesting, for example, budding systems during the shift where kind of staff are paired together and checking on each other, or staff well being huddles 
um, every now and then. Schwartz round, uh, for example, there's been a lot of research um, done, led by Jean Maben at Surrey, that found that these Schwartz rounds are, are really helpful mm. and can lead to decrease, uh, to sort of improve the psychological well-being for staff. So maybe looking at introducing these um, interventions that are, you know, not costly or not uh, intensive uh, for, in terms of resources but that can still give staff a safe space to talk about their health and well-being and feel listened and supported really supported not just again uh, with sort of empty promises mm -hmm. yeah definitely and i wanted to sort of um ask you what your top tips would be either for, for nursing students of course who, who you teach who are starting out and perhaps feeling overwhelmed and and also perhaps for um staff themselves but just just to add to that as well i'd be interested to hear as well what what you do your yourself to to support your own well-being because that's that's always good to hear <laughs> yes yeah for sure so in terms of yeah, I have to say, maybe I could start from this latter one. So none of the things that I suggest uh, are not things that I also do myself. So, mm -hmm. for example, this um, power of community and being compassionate towards others and embracing uh, my own vulnerability is something that I, I do <laughs> and that it really helps me and supports me. So accepting for example that there's going to be a day in which maybe I plan to write a whole article and instead I'm just looking at the screen because I'm exhausted and I cannot actually type any words mm. I, 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 I at the beginning I was like oh no 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 it's not possible it's something that I I must not do I must be more productive you know I can't just you know have a, a day where I'm actually just staring at the screen and being exhausted uh, but actually, I have now started to to embrace the fact that I'm human and that if I'm tired and I'm exhausted, my brain will not have enough energy to actually think and write something. And so it's okay to actually take one day or, as, I mean, as much as you need, of course, with then also the support of your manager, for sure. But to, to allow myself to step back and, and pause rather than just plow on all the time so that's something that I do but also then the asking for help and that's something that I always um, invite students to do uh, whether they are in placement or you know when it's also related to the theory blocks ask for help that doesn't make you less of a nurse uh, because as a nurse again you need to be a superhero who's independent and who doesn't need any help no, you actually do. You do. You will need help. I do need help. And there's days where I really need to talk to my colleagues um, or the people I love, for example, outside of work. But um, again, having this community around me really helps uh, and makes me also feel that I'm not alone in my own struggles and my my own journey. Um, so rather than convincing myself that I have to be resilient and just get on with it, I much rather prefer to now just ask for help and also embrace my vulnerability. And that would be what I also recommend students, what I also suggest students. Um, yes, for sure. Is there anything different you'd suggest to, to qualified 
nurses? Uh, not really, in the sense that I think this really applies to to all of the mm. all of the working life phases. I just think maybe when you're a registered nurse. Uh, you've got more um, sort of you you you've got more confidence. You might be you might be feeling more confident when it comes to escalating um, and sort of lobbying for for change as opposed to when you're a student. I hear, for example, a lot of students tell me, "Well, Chiara, it's all very well you telling us this, but then you know we go in the ward and we're just the students. They're not going to listen to us." And I'm I mean. On one hand, I try to invite them to do that anyway, but then I also recognize that once they are, you know, sort of qualified and in the numbers and a part of that team in a sort of more uh, stable way, they might feel uh, more more empowered to to actually advocate and escalate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to also ask you finally, really, um, what kind of um, resources would would you recommend and not necessarily talking uh, kind of material resources but maybe you know humans you've talked a lot about community and, and connection yes so i think the the ted talk by by Brené brown is a master mm-hmm. uh, about vulnerability the power of vulnerability there's of course uh, she's also written some stuff about it if someone wanted to to know more and um, also, there's another TED, TED talk um, that is about burnout in uh, healthcare staff that I always recommend uh, because, again, that really gives some really good tips and strategies about how we can support each other uh, when it comes to, to burnout and, uh, again, this, this power of community. Um, so these would be my two top resources. But, of course, and, I, and, and, the, and my favorite one, I have to say, is this editorial that uh, Jill Maben and Jackie Bridges wrote last year, um, and it was about supporting the health and well-being in nurses during COVID. But actually, you know, the strategies that they have, uh, they recommend in there, could apply even when a pandemic is not in place. I think if there's something that COVID taught us is how important is the the, the health and well-being of the, the nursing workforce. But on the other hand, I think the COVID kind of accelerated, catalyzed a lot of issues that were there already. So mm-hmm. I don't think that before COVID, the, the work environment was great everywhere. And now after COVID, everything is, is really bad. I think it's, uh, uh, I mean, COVID just amplified it all. So what they wrote in that editorial, I think is something that uh, can be applied to, to every work environments and every situation. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think there are positives to, to come out of the pandemic from the point of view of the amplification of some of the issues? Well, I, I think yes and no. I mean, on one hand, I'm really sad to see that many more nurses are leaving, many more nurses mm-hmm. are burnt out. So that's clearly not a positive. And it breaks my heart on Twitter. I see every day at least once a week, I see a nurse saying, I'm leaving, that's enough. I'm leaving nursing possibly forever. Mm-hmm. And that really breaks me to read. But on the other hand, maybe this is going to prompt us all, especially, I mean, also us, I mean, in, in education here, to think about how are we training these, these nurses? What are we preparing them for? Again, 
if we keep just teaching them that that all they need is to be a bit resilient, then of course, you know, when they actually go into really challenging situations, challenging work environments, of course they're gonna leave. Um, because again, this this idea of the crushed ideas um, has been one of the underlying kind of causes of burnout. So there's the fact that, you know, um, as nurses we go into the into practice after after university or after we our studies and and we just think that you know we're gonna be again great we're gonna perform really well we're gonna meet the care needs of our clients or patients at, at the top level and then actually um it's not it's not like that because we need to to miss some care or delay some care and that affects you know that leads to crushed ideas which which is really uh, which is really bad. So maybe kind of training students in a way that these ideals um, maybe don't, I'm not sure if it, they shouldn't even be there, but uh, definitely sort of helping them understand that the reality is not, uh, again, that of superheroes, <laughs> but of human beings in, in challenging work environments. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I feel that that may, might be one of the, the takeaway messages here to think of yourself as human, not not superhuman, which um, I know often comes through in, in many things that, that we publish as well. And yes, I agree with you completely. I think that's a great take home message. Yeah, yeah. I was really just reiterating you, but anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thank you very much for your time, Chiara. That was really um, interesting and, and I hope helpful to, to many, uh, not, not just me. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you, Flavia. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that all the resources connected with this episode of the show can be found at rcni.com forward slash podcast, where you can also catch up on any episodes you may have missed or simply want to play back. And we greatly appreciate any feedback, so please do rate or review us on Apple or Spotify podcasts, which will also help other people to find us. I hope you enjoyed the show.